Welcome to PeopleTech, the podcast of the HCM Technology Report. I'm Mark Pfeffer. My guest today is Grant Messick, Vice President of Customer Success at ACASA. They're a developer of technology solutions for healthcare operations. They recently published a survey that, in part, looked at how staffing challenges get in the way of the work at healthcare organizations. We'll talk about that, along with automation and other trends, on this edition of PeopleTech. Hey, Grant. Thanks for coming in. You recently completed a survey about some staffing issues in healthcare. Could you tell me about it, what you asked or what you found? Our, our company is built around uh, automation specifically within healthcare and specifically within what we call the revenue cycle. Um, so when you think about um, a, a visit to the doctor's office, the revenue cycle is um, everything from the point in which your appointment gets scheduled all the way through uh, the registration that you have. You might have to sign some forms, present your ID cards uh, to the claim getting billed out to the insurance company, to that claim getting paid, um, by the insurance company, and then maybe there's a statement that goes out to the patient after that. So that whole process in, in healthcare is referred to as the revenue cycle. Um, and your typical uh, hospital and health system spends about 2% of their overall revenue on just maintaining that whole process. So if you think about an, uh, a typical academic medical center in an urban area, they're about a $5 billion health system on average. So that means that they're spending about $100 million on people and technology to maintain that process, to try to resolve the errors that happen along the way, um, and to to really try to um, optimize their uh, financial performance so that they can keep their doors open and continue to save lives and see patients. What we've seen in the industry is this shift over the years um, through a a variety of different flavors. you know, I've, I've spent my career in this space and about 20 years ago, what was popular was called the best of breed with every technology. So think about a, a great basement sound system and home theater. You've got the TV that's this brand. You've got the speakers that are this brand. You've got the subwoofer that's this brand. And you kind of cobble together the best of every single thing in order to get the optimal experience. So health systems went through a phase about 20 years ago where that was very popular. And then they started to shift to more of an integrated approach where they, instead of doing the best of everything, they said, let's go to one vendor for every, all of our needs. Um, let's get that integrated system. And, and then that way, everything's going to talk to each other. Everything's going to be so smooth. It's going to be this whole ecosystem. Um, and that's really going to help us out. Um, and, and so they shifted from best of breed to integration. And then from there, they shifted from integration to, um, in many cases, uh, more of an outsourcing model where they said, you know what, this is really hard. We can't, um, we can't necessarily do this on our own. It's not our core competency. Our core competency is, is seeing patients and saving lives. We would like for somebody else to worry about the insurance side, the, the payer side. Uh, the revenue cycle side. And so we saw this shift to outsourcing and that's kind of ebbed and flowed over the past two decades. But one thing that stayed fairly constant is performance. Um, through all of those investments, all of those efforts, health systems have really struggled 
to move the meter when it comes to their financial performance. Um, their margins are thin. Um, reimbursement is generally pretty tight. Uh, their costs are increasing. And so what, uh, what we've seen most recently, the next chapter for those health systems has been a turn toward automation as kind of the new solution. We've, we've thrown a lot of different um, solutions at this. Can we automate these processes instead? And especially with some of the later labor shortages that we're seeing uh, across the industry, the great resignation, and uh, you know, COVID has kind of exacerbated um, a remote environment where folks are working from home, where it is advantageous to have automation happening along the way in order to keep things stable, keep things on track. We've seen that shift. Um, and so uh, what we've been really seeking to understand through our surveys and our, uh, our outreach to the industry is how organizations are grappling with that shift toward automation, how they are dealing with staffing shortages, um, you know, where they are experiencing those pain points and why, and what their solutions are in terms of where they're, uh, where they're trying to go in order to resolve that. Staffing issues, you know, in the great resignation, um, sounded like a tough combination to have to deal with. Are healthcare companies having trouble? Yeah, yeah. So we uh, at ACASA primarily deal with hospitals and health systems. Um, and they are, are very much in the thick of, you know, the great resignation. Um, and there's no one single issue that drives it. Um, there's a variety of different factors that have kind of uh, compounded um, and made the issue as significant as it is today. So um, lots of uh, physicians and nurses are retiring. Um, there's kind of this wave of, of baby boomers that are approaching retirement, and that's kind of a, a very organic shift in the workforce. Um, but as a result, it's leaving a lot of open vacancies um, to backfill those retirements. There is this remote environment that has enabled some of the frontline staff to pursue uh, jobs that they wouldn't normally be able to pursue. They could work from different cities. They could work for companies in different cities. They could pursue potentially a higher paying job somewhere where uh, previously they, they couldn't do that. Um, and then of, of course um, the, uh, the COVID um, outbreak has, has also just increased a, a number of complications that have hit hospital and health system staffing. And, and so because of all of those things, um, there are pretty dramatic staffing shortages across those organizations on the clinical side um, with doctors and nurses, but also on the financial and the administrative side with a lot of that revenue cycle process. Health systems that have 10, 15, 20% of their positions open uh, where they're actively trying to, to backfill those. Um, and that's, that's fairly significant because it increases the burden on the current staff it kind of perpetuates itself because then the staff get overwhelmed. They start to burn out. You know, they start looking for, for a new job. And, and so it's a, a vicious cycle right now. Do you love news about LinkedIn, Indeed, Google, and just about every other recruitment tech company out there? Hell yeah. I'm Chad. I'm Cheese. We're the Chad and Cheese Podcast. All the latest recruiting news and insights are on our show. Dripping in snark and attitude. Subscribe today wherever you listen to your podcasts. We, we out. Um, what are they doing about it? Um, you know, the um, 
of the healthcare systems and such, this has got to be, you know, a, a big issue in terms of both manpower and technical resources. What are they doing and what do you think they should be doing? They're trying a variety of different strategies um, in order to address um, these shortages and the, the performance piece that I mentioned earlier. So um, first and foremost, they're, they're trying to find good talent on the people side. Um, that, that will never go away. Um, and so they continue to um, invest in their hiring, their recruiting, and their workforce um, across the, the industry. We have seen a, a continued um, appetite for outsourcing as well. Um, we see new deals hit the headlines periodically where hospitals and health systems have, are making that choice to say, this is not our core competency. Um, you know, we, we want somebody else to do this and, and for this to be their primary focus. Um, but then we've, we've really seen just a tremendous shift toward automation. And we've been very fortunate to be at the forefront of that. You know, the work that we do um, essentially uh, enables the, the human talent within a hospital and a health system to focus on the right work at the right time. We're able to come in and automate um, all the noise, all the busy work that hits their, uh, their computer or their work queue or whatever they're trying to, whatever tasks they're trying to complete every day. Um, and if we can remove that from their day to day, that noise, that busy work, then they can focus on the work that truly requires their attention. It also means that potentially if you have 10 open vacancies that you don't need to backfill those 10 open vacancies because you've got this automation that's doing the work of 10 people. And so um, there's a, a combination of kind of working side by side, continuing to bring in and find that human talent uh, that can focus on the right work, but then supplementing that with automation um, where you don't necessarily need uh, your human talent to be working. And, and that's been a powerful combination. You've, um, you're in a spot where you can see a lot of technology and how it's used in, in healthcare. Um, what, how do you view technology's role in all of this? That's a great question. I have spent my career on the financial side of healthcare. It is uh, arguably less sexy than the uh, brain surgery and the cancer care and, and the life-saving side of healthcare, where obviously technology will continue to play an enormous role in, um, in the clinical work that we do um, in order to, to really uh, continue to improve outcomes in America, to save lives, to uh, innovate the way that we're delivering care to patients. And so there's an enormous need for continued technology on the clinical side. And my exposure is uh, very heavily focused on the financial side of healthcare. And um, we see technology as a, a partner working alongside our, our customers. Um, so for example, um, if you don't get a claim billed out to an insurance company in time, uh, it can get denied and, uh, and it, it doesn't get paid. And that means that you delivered services to a patient uh, that the hospital uh, doesn't get reimbursed for. And some of those, uh, that window for, for that claim could be about 90 days. So it's, you know, it's not terribly short, but it's also not forever that they've got to get that claim out the door. There's a number of different things that can hold that claim up along the way. If we can work alongside 
the hospitals and health systems. If the technology is, is a high performing staff member working alongside the human talent, then that allows us to drive performance improvement together. You know, they are focusing on you know, getting the high priority items out the door, on driving crucial conversations, on answering patient questions and inbound phone calls, while we're driving a lot of the processing, the activities, the rework, the corrections, the accuracy components that really need to be there in that process. And so it's a, it's a partnership together working alongside each other in order to drive performance improvement. And how do you see this all um, playing out? You know, you, you've got this, you know, sort of emergency in, in terms of staffing in healthcare. Um, you've got distributed solutions in terms of you know, technology and, and organizational tools. Do you think it's all going to come together or is this just kind of part of doing business, dealing with this? Well, I'm, I'm certainly very optimistic that it's uh, not only will come together, but it's, it's already actively doing that. Um, there, you know, speaking specifically about automation, there's a lot of different flavors of automation. There's a lot of um, excitement in the industry around that right now. There are some publicly traded companies. There are these new startups. There are new headlines. Um, coming out all the time and, um, you know, all of which touting kind of AI and artificial intelligence, which is a really exciting uh, concept to get around. Um, but within that umbrella, there are a lot of different flavors of that. Um, there's one very linear, very straightforward form of automation called robotic process automation. And that's for very simple, very repeatable tasks. You know, move over this many pixels, move up this many pixels and enter this number on the screen. And you can get a robot to do that a million times a day, and, and that alleviates a, a, you know, a task that a human potentially has to do. There's other automation, and, and really kind of the core foundation of, of our company is around machine learning. Um, we think about it more like a self-driving car that has to encounter all kinds of different variables, all kinds of different complex choices uh, in its day-to-day. -day. If, a, if a claim gets denied by an insurance company, there could be 18 different reasons why, and there could be 36 different reasons uh, or things that we have to do in order to resolve that claim. You can't fix that with that simple linear process. You have to fix that with a more elegant, um, you know, machine learning based approach that can navigate those different um, what ifs and, and decision points in order to get to that right outcome. So I, I say that because um, when I see this playing out, I think there's a time and a place for both of those forms of automation. I, I think that they are definitely here to stay. I think that there will be some, uh, some companies in the industry that, that succeed and some that fail. And, and I think we're already starting to see that play out a little bit. Um, but I, I absolutely think it's here to stay. I think the, the piece that will be interesting is kind of the combination of human talent versus robotic process automation versus machine learning and kind of which ones are deployed for which things. You know, can you use the simple RPA tasks to do the really mundane, really common, really easy work? Can you use machine learning to take on the more complex work that can still be automated? You know, fighting those denials. If, if you get that denial in from an insurance company, resolving it and getting it back out the door so that it can get paid. And then can you get the human talent focusing on financial counseling, inbound phone calls, 
conversations with a physician about why their claims keep getting denied? You know, can they be focusing their brain power on work that truly warrants their time and attention and talent? And I think there's a combination of all three of those things as the story plays out. Grant, thanks very much for taking the time to talk with me today. You're welcome. Thank you. My guest today has been Grant Messick, Vice President of Customer Success at ACASA. And this has been People Tech, the podcast of the HCM Technology Report. We're a publication of Recruiting Daily. We're also a part of Evergreen Podcasts. To see all of their programs, visit www.evergreenpodcasts.com. And to keep up with HR technology, visit the HCM Technology Report every day. We're the most trusted source of news in the HR tech industry. Find us at www.hcmtechnologyreport.com. I'm Mark Pfeffer. The world's best-known investor and Wall Street expert, Warren Buffett, once said, Wall Street is the only place that people ride to in a Rolls Royce to get advice from those who take the subway. Mr. Buffett's quote is remarkably accurate, but how many people would rather receive advice from him than someone simply guessing? Welcome to Buy, Hold, Sell, your single source for Wall Street knowledge and profitable guidance. Please join me, Todd Schoenberger, and fellow trader Tobin Smith, as well as host Veronica Dudo, for a podcast known to move the needle for investors. Tobin and I are seasoned Wall Street executives with deep investment experience, and we are prepared to share our advice to those who choose to listen. Download Buy, Hold, Sell today on the Evergreen Podcast Network or your favorite podcast channel. Faith in the news media has been challenged, making it even harder to get stories told. The Friday Reporter podcast was created to help audiences better understand the media by hosting journalists who will answer the questions to which we need answers. Join me every Friday to hear more.